0: Hi, my name's Ben Smith. Over the course of my adult life I have become obsessed with the industry of interactive entertainment. Video games. The video game industry has ballooned to massive proportions, bringing with it all the controversy and criticism any entertainment sector has. So come and join me and some of my friends as we explore and examine some of the strange and wonderful stories surrounding this sector. Sometimes we'll look at a specific game franchise, other weeks on a more broader theme, but always discussing my favourite hobby. Welcome to Extra Life. And welcome to our very first episode. To kick off this new series, today I'll be sitting down with Josh Render to discuss a franchise that's very close to both of our hearts, the epic space opera RPG, Mass Effect. We'll be discussing the series' rise to fame and acclaim, the controversial ending of the third game, and the subsequent disappointment of reboot Mass Effect Andromeda. And where that leaves the franchise in 2020... As always, we'll start our show discussing some of the news items of the week, and we'll finish by setting our guests a challenge to see where they rank on our leaderboard. Join us as we ask, how do you solve a problem like Mass Effect? So, uh, welcome to the first episode of Extra Life, where we're talking this week about Mass Effect uh, with my good friend... Josh Render. So, uh, Josh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here talking about Mass Effect with me.
1: Uh, Right, well, my name's Josh. I've known Ben since university. Uh, Essentially, I'm here talking about Mass Effect because it's a game we both played along a lot of when we were kind of younger men.
0: A lot of, yes, definitely. Yeah, uh,
1: that along with many of other BioWare's games, I've been playing games a very long time. um, And I was marginally coerced into doing this.
0: Perfect, thank you very much. So what we're going to start with then, uh, as always, every single week we start with the hot news of the week uh, here in gaming. So uh, there's a couple of things that we're going to talk about now. Um, I've just got my news articles up here now. So, the first news article that I read uh, this week uh, is that Sony has announced a PS5 event for June the 4th. Uh, So, as we all know, E3 this year has been cancelled. In light of this, there has been a Summer Games Fest across uh, June through to August. It seems that Sony has announced the next level uh, for their PlayStation 5 events, which will occur on June the 4th. Josh, what do you think?
1: I'm excited for the new consoles, in all honesty. Although it's still, I don't know, it still feels a little soon for me. I feel like we it, haven't had the old ones.
0: Yes, so um, it, this follows on from what Xbox, Microsoft did uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, where they showed gameplay without showing gameplay, which was interesting.
1: Well, I mean, that's pretty much the norm, isn't it? I mean, even the gameplay is all pre-recorded nonsense.
0: Absolutely, yeah, but they, uh, they did get a lot of flack for what they were doing, um, mostly from the community which was saying, you can't call this a gameplay reveal when there's no gameplay. So it'll be interesting to see what Sony comes out with uh, in a couple of days. Uh, well, well they
1: came out with that Unreal 5 test engine, so...
0: So that was, yeah, it was an interesting one, that. Um, are you, are, what, do you, what do you think about 4K? Is this exciting or what do you think?
1: I think unless you have a 4K TV, I could really care less, frankly.
0: I think I think that's fair. Um, so uh, from launch events like this that Sony are doing and Microsoft are doing, what are you looking for? Honestly,
1: at this point, I'm looking for more kind of new stuff that I haven't seen before. I'm bored of sequels. There's always a sequel. Sequel, sequel, sequel. I want something new. Some new story. Some new... Something new, basically.
0: uh, Some new IPs then is what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, new IPs. New exciting characters to get into. New stories to see. New ways of playing games. You know what I really want? I want a superhero fighting game with a fully destructible city. That's what I want.
0: That would so. This is something that we've definitely talked about before. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, obviously, with your superhero genre at the moment, Batman is always is always very very uh, popular with the with the Arkham series. Spider Man for the PS4 was incredibly popular. Um, so yeah. the next generation of them. that. You can't punch them
1: through a building, fly up, throw them through another building like Iron Man did with the Hulk, and then just beat everything to pieces. And the buildings need to be destructible in specific sections, not just like whole Ultimate destruction destructible.
0: Well, I, I I think I think it's quite interesting that you that you mentioned that because obviously it's been rumored that Rocksteady is working on something at the moment. For those who don't know, Rocksteady are the uh, the producers of the Batman Arkham series. Uh, it's been long rumored that they're actually working on a Superman game. So a Superman game with fully destructible environments. Would that be something that you're interested in?
1: only if they do his getting hit right because you know other superman games have done it in weird ways superman 64 you've never really got into a fight the one based on that weird superman movie it was all based on how much the city was destroyed so a fully destructible city that is your health meter would be weird yeah, i always i always thought rocksteady should have done a flash game i think that that fighting style works for the flash better than superman
0: Yeah, so there uh, there is a um, a few rumours. One is that they're just going to do another Batman family game. Um, One is that they're working on a uh, a Superman game. Uh, The other one is that they're working on a Justice League game, which may be interesting.
1: I can't see it happening with that Avengers game coming out so soon. Yeah,
0: that's a fair point. So uh, let's move on to our next uh, news article of the week. Uh, which is the very exciting news that Kate Blanchett has officially joined the Borderlands movie. For those of you who don't know, uh, the uh, director Eli Roth is producing a Borderlands movie, uh, which is scheduled for release sometime in 2021 to 2022. Uh, and uh, apparently, after several weeks of negotiations, um, Eli Roth has managed to bag Kate Branchett to star as Lilith in the movie. So, uh, Josh, Borderlands movie, yay or nay? Nay! Really? Complete nay!
1: Complete what? nay like hay in a bay!
0: <laughs> so, uh, okay, expand, expand. Why, why do you think a Borderlands movie is a bad idea?
1: Because Borderlands was never about the plot. Borderlands was finding guns and going or kabloom. But who gives a crap about Borderlands plots? It's We're all southern in the field. Oh, look, there's aliens, but there's not, and we're zany.
0: This is, yeah, I mean, I couldn't have really put it better myself, I don't think. Uh, Borderlands movie. Why is this the video game that they've decided to make into a movie? There's many other better uh, games that would would be better for movie adaptation.
1: It's because it's popular. It's always the popular one. Either it's the popular ones or Uwe Bowl's done it, in which case.
0: I mean, I would pay to see an Uwe Bowl Borderlands movie. That would be amazing.
1: I did a university project on his House of the Dead movie. I never want to see another one again in my life.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he feels the same way as well.
1: I watched too many of them. They're
0: bad. Uh, So, uh, quickly moving on to our next uh, news item of the week. And this one is all about E3 2020. So, as we've mentioned previously, E3 this year has unfortunately been cancelled due to the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, In light of this, uh, many uh, game producers and publishers and studios have uh, decided to do their own versions of what they would be doing at E3 uh, over an umbrella umbrella festival called Summer Game Fest. So already we've had uh, things from Microsoft and uh, we're going to have something from Sony in June the 4th. Other developers, uh, we've got EA Play on June the 11th, uh, which seems to be their showcase of what's coming up for the next year. Uh, Ubisoft are doing a a press conference to talk about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, among other things and uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is getting some more gameplay, which makes me very excited in my pants. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, what, what do you wanna see from these from these things, Josh? Uh,
1: I wanna see a bit more on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I wanna see what they're doing to approach the fact that all of the Assassin's games since Origins, and I'm playing through um, the Greek one that's name suddenly escapes me at the minute, Odyssey.
0: I was going to prompt you, but you didn't need it. Very good.
1: No, no, no. My memory's not that bad. As Yet.
0: professional as ever.
1: Oh, yeah. But um, no. And I find the problem that always lasts with them is they just get boring after a while. It's very me. So I want to see what they're doing to kind of block that off. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077, I'm excited to see more about. Hopefully Keanu Reeves turns up again. Probably and, might.
0: And he, he calls us all breathtaking for a second time.
1: He is a lovely human being and the reason that many people continue going on. Other than that, I don't know. I'm excited for kind of seeing what they come up with, but I'm not holding my breath because E3 for the last few years has been kind of... I'm worried 2077 is going to go the last Guardian route where it's constantly just not happening. Yeah, just never get released. Yeah, but they have said it's finished.
0: So, I, I think with Cyberpunk, it was a very interesting thing because it was um, obviously announced that it was going to come out in April uh, and then got pushed back uh, to September, uh, which uh, I, 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 I view that as a good thing. It shows that there's, there's actual, you know... Um, quality control going on and there's, there's, there's testing going on which, make, which, will, which will obviously make the game better when it, when it does uh, release um, and CD Projekt Red uh, you know, a fairly reliable publisher um, in the past
1: Yeah, yeah they are uh, I want to see more of the new Halo game and I want to learn more about Play. I want to know what the basics of that is
0: So yeah, SharePlay this is a new um, thing that Microsoft have announced for their Xbox uh, am I
1: yeah. yeah, at least I think it's play. It's a thing where if you buy it for one console, you can play it on the other console.
0: Absolutely. So, um, so with that, what they've announced is that if you buy the Xbox One version of a game, you get the Xbox Series X version for free, which is, I think, a great thing because I know in the past when I've uh, upgraded consoles, such as when I upgraded from the 360 to the Xbox One, um... You kind of start off with no games whatsoever, and it takes a good few months. to kind Dead of Rising
1: in. three.
0: That's so. Then you played Dead Rising three in its entirety. And nobody wants to play Dead Rising three in its entirety.
1: No. Um, well, it's better than four.
0: So, so yeah. Well, yeah, that's very true, actually. So uh, yeah. Um, so I think this is a good thing because it will allow people to expand their. Uh, their collection, uh, while also paying uh, relatively low sums of money. Yeah, uh, but it depends
1: if they transfer your saves as well. I don't want to start most games all over again. Uh,
0: and our final news of the day uh, is that uh, it's all about the Nintendo Switch, uh, that wonderful little console that came out about two years ago. Um, because Bioshock, the collection, has just been announced as coming to the Nintendo uh, Switch and this is uh, follows a trend of AAA games uh, coming to the Switch, so the Switch now has Bioshock the Collection, Borderlands, XCOM: Enemy Unknown, and XCOM Two, uh, No Man's Sky, uh, a lot more um, as well. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing that uh, Nintendo are, are, are doing um, this time around. Normally, Nintendo consoles are known for being first-party exclusive uh, and party games. Um, well, that's what they're doing. It. Well, exactly. Yeah, uh, I think it, it, it's an interesting thing, um, and to be honest, it's made the switch very desirable for a lot of people. What do you think about the switch?
1: Uh, I wanted a switch during quarantine. I, I wasn't going to pay five hundred quid for it, though.
0: I think yeah, that's 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 definitely fair. It's still a little bit expensive for me. I think. Yeah, but I mean,
1: I like. Although, on the other side. I wouldn't get it to play games I've already played. I have no interest in paying the Bioshock collection again.
0: So this is also another interesting thing, isn't it? So um, I know a friend of mine recently um, bought The Witcher 3 on the Switch. Um, and it's it's just a thing, isn't it? Because obviously you've played that on the Xbox or the, or the PlayStation. Do you want to play through it again? Only now you can play through it on the bus or the train?
1: Well, The Witcher Three has the advantage of it's so big. Most of the time, it didn't do half of the stuff you were going to do anyway.
0: Yeah, this is true. This is very true. So, so yeah, but no. Um, good, good on Nintendo. They seem to be doing a good thing. Yeah,
1: it's better than constantly seeing Link do something.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, or whatever
1: that Rayman Raving Rabbits thing was
0: or to see the next iteration of Mario Kart, which is the same, but nicer.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Blue <laughs> Shell's still a bastard.
0: Exactly. But yeah, no, that's the end of our news section. Um, uh, so what we're going to do now is we are going to segue nice and neatly into our big issue of the day, which is, how do you solve a problem like Mass Effect? And so we start as all good things should at the beginning with Mass Effect, a game released by Canadian publisher BioWare in November 20th, 2007 for the Xbox 360. This was a new IP from BioWare who had rose to fame with Knights of the Old Republic and the Baldur's Gate series. Mass Effect received critical acclaim from several publications upon its release and sold over one and a half million copies by January 2008. It won Best RPG at the 2007 Spike Video Game Awards and the Role-Playing Game of the Year at the 2008 Interactive Achievement Awards. Mass Effect is constantly talked about as being one of the best RPGs of its generation, and it provided a solid framework for BioWare to capitalise on its acclaim and success, which they would in 2010 when they released Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect 2 was released on January the 26, 2010 for Windows and Xbox 360. A direct sequel to Mass Effect 1, it has become one of the greatest video games of all time and is constantly listed as one of the best RPGs ever made. The game received critical and commercial success upon its release and spawned many DLC packs, including Kasumi Stolen Memory, Overlord, Layer of the Shadow Broker, and Arrival. On the back of this success, Bioware decided to finish their trilogy and release the long awaited ending to the Reaper Saga, Mass Effect 3. Mass Effect 3 was released on March the 6th, 2012 for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360. An ending to the original Mass Effect trilogy and still regarded as an extremely good game, much controversy surrounded Mass Effect 3 due to the ending in which a lot of the player choices were disregarded in favor of three separate endings with distinct colors, green, blue, and red. On the back of this controversy, Bioware decided to release free DLC which would address some of the concerns. However, even 8 years after this, it still leaves a bit of a sour taste in gamers mouths. Bioware took a bit of time off after Mass Effect 3 to develop other games, however came back to the series in 2017 with Mass Effect Andromeda. Mass Effect Andromeda released on March the 21st 2017 and was a critical disappointment upon launch. Many critics and fans alike had similar reservations about a new Mass Effect game and most had the same frustrations with it, namely that the facial animations and animations for characters were not finished upon release, that the story and narrative two staples of Bioware's work in the past, were not engaging and interesting, and that the characters lacked depth or purpose. Mass Effect Andromeda, although being a critical disappointment, was still a commercial success, bringing in quite a lot of profit for EA and Bioware. On the eve of rumours that at EA Play this year, Bioware is set to announce a remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy. We asked the question, can Mass Effect be saved? And how do you solve a problem like the Mass Effect franchise? So I'm going to open this up to Josh now. So Josh, let's start with Mass Effect 1 first of all. What are your memories of Mass Effect 1? Well, one
1: of the main things was that it was... Very different from what you were seeing on the Xbox 360 at the time. Um, It was very... It wasn't open in the same way as a kind of Final Fantasy game. You know, it wasn't a lot of running around. The worlds were quite compact, apart from the whole Mako thing that was a nightmare. But it had a lot of the stuff that Bioware games had had. So everyone loved KOTOR and KOTOR 2 because they kind of put you in a universe you understood enjoyed it they took that universe they removed all the stuff people knew but they kept certain things and put in new things so it was like star wars but your own star wars story in a weird way um it had it was remarkably good at mixing a lot of rpg stuff so you had the character customization the character kind of progression gave you a lot of options to play through it while Merging sort of third person shooter I wouldn't say it was a shooter though the shooting mechanics in it were not what anyone would call fantastic really um you know the sniper rifle waved around vaguely like my vision after 12 shots of something that is blue much like Segways the Asari.
0: that i i you that is masterfully done you've done this before haven't you <laughs> um, usually,
1: yeah. when uh, usually when drinking something blue.
0: usually um, when drinking something blue. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I, I I think I think it's a 2007 game, um, and I think if you go back and play it now in 2020, it definitely feels like a 2007 game, uh, especially with some of the mechanics. Uh, on an emotional level, though, because I think I think if you take the first Mass Effect. Uh, in terms of its mechanics, so its combat and its dialogue trees and stuff like that, it's, it's a fine game. It's, it's it's okay. But I think what elevates this uh, game above a lot of the other games that were coming out at that time is the emotional impact of, of the story and some of the choices that you make.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a... You know, you connect with the characters in a very real way. Um, even the villain, Saren, who... I mean, out of all of Mass Effect, was the most human villain, essentially. You know, he had very understandable reactions to something we don't understand, which is what the bad guys are. Um, and decision to kill off characters. It's not the first RPG to ever do that. Loads of them have done it. Um, so, you know, you can't really give it emotional props for that, but it does help with the world you're building and to give an impression of the mission you're on when something dies, essentially. And it just kind of made alien things human.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It was, it, was, it was a really interesting, wonderful world that was built by Bioware. And it, it left you wanting more. I think that, that, that was the thing that Mass Effect 1 leaves me with every single time I play it. Um, is when you finish the story and you know Shepard comes out of the rubble uh, and goes off to fight another day. Uh, it leaves you wanting to see more stories in this universe. And, uh, you know, that, that that is the perfect thing that you want from, you know, the first game in a new franchise. And I think, unfortunately, it's the thing that Andromeda did get wrong. We'll talk about that, that more in a second.
1: Yeah, I mean, it also had what can't be disputed fantastic cast. You know, the voice acting was amazing. Um, Keith David did a fantastic job as kind of Anderson as he sort of, father figure you had the voice actors who unfortunately the names are very hard to remember most of the time but you had kind of the connection you have with all of them where these aliens are given certain tenors and tones but they still sound recognizable which makes you get past their odd appearance i mean you've got Garrus, tally uh, liara they're all very odd looking but they maintain a certain humanistic quality which helps in the setting meanwhile you have the enemies who are shown to you, which you have to get, they're done in such a way that it's very clear that there's nothing there. They're just mannequins. Um, yeah.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you some quick-fire questions. Um, uh, we're, going to start, uh, we're going to slap a big old spoiler alert warning over this section uh, and over the things that we're going to be talking about for the next 20 minutes. If you've not played the Mass Effect trilogy or Mass Effect Andromeda, stop w- listening to this right now Go and play it. Come back in about 180 hours, um, and yeah. come and listen to what we've got to talk about. But yeah, from here on in, we're going to be talking about some pretty uh, yeah uh, spoiler alerty things. So to kick us off uh, from Mass Effect uh, One, Kaiden or Ashley, which one died? Well, the first time. The first time. The first time you ever played the game. Who did Ashley? You see? Ashley died. Interesting. Okay. Um, Any any reason? Space racist. Space racist. You can't argue with that, really. It's kind of, you know...
1: She was kind of race-stabby. It's
0: unpleasant. It's it's fair. Um, Yeah, Uh, Udina or Anderson?
1: In which, in what regard? Who would I rather have?
0: Well, uh, who became the ambassador for uh, the humans at the end?
1: Oh, Anderson easily.
0: And even though he didn't want the job, though.
1: Yeah, well, the kind of politician you should really want is one who doesn't want the job.
0: It's a a fair point, I think. Um, So, did the council survive, or did you condemn them to their death? They survived. Survived. So, we have an interspecies council on the citadel uh, once more, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, And finally, who who, who got the D? Oh, Liara. Liara got the D. Interesting. And the reason why that's interesting, you'll find out when we talk about Mass Effect 2 and about where Josh's romantic allegiances lie. Um, So, yeah, there wasn't much uh, in the way of um, romance options in Mass Effect 1. I think for a straight shepherd, a straight male shepherd, I think it was just Liara or Ashley, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. And for a female, I think it was just Kaiden.
0: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, was um, I'm not quite sure. Was was Garris an option back then? I
1: think that was only me 2
0: Interesting. So yeah, uh, not a lot of romance options. But of course, because there was space sex in Mass Effect One, it garnered quite a lot of criticism and controversy from uh, mainly right wing and Christian groups uh, in America and Australia as well. Strangely enough. Um, so... Um, yeah, so, so, I mean, some so, so of the criticism that was that was labelled, by a way, do you think that's, that's fair?
1: No, it was like when kids put Barbie and an action man together. It was about as erotically charged as a squirrel.
0: I mean, I think at one point during the Liara sex scene, you saw a little bit of butt crack. But I think that was about it.
1: You see more in a James Bond movie that these people will take their kids to see.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it was, yeah, and it was, it was so horribly rendered as well that, you know... Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was not erotic.
0: No one's, no one's getting turned on by that.
1: No, no one's sitting there going, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, if, if you did, uh, comment below. Um, don't comment below, that's a weird thing to comment. Um, anyway, uh, moving on uh, to one of, I think, actually my uh, favourite ever game, uh, of all time that I've ever played, um, Mass Effect 2. Um, how, like, I'm just gonna be really simple here, how good is Mass Effect 2?
1: From a gameplay standard, it's great. From an RPG standard,
0: eh. Oh, yeah, it, 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 so from an RPG standard, it does do, um, it does do away with a lot of RPG elements of, uh, gameplay, so that kind of levelling up, um, system was completely replaced for it to a more kind of, like, simplistic, well, very um, simplistic. Yeah, and um, a lot of the gameplay wasn't as uh, turn-based and tactical as most RPGs are. Uh, it was very much an act... It, it, it went more towards an, an action focus.
1: It was a shooter with added bits, basically.
0: Uh, but yeah, um, I, could, I could easily play Mass Effect 2 on repeat for the next... You did years of my life. I did. I did at one point. Yeah, I absolutely did. Uh, before Mass Effect 3 came out. What does it... So, like, with Mass Effect 2, what does that expand on with um, regards to Mass Effect 1? Well, the
1: main thing it did is it streamlined the whole thing. So they got rid of a lot of the RPG things, but frankly, they kind of had to. The RPG selections you had in Mass Effect 1, for the most part, you, it was just redundant. You had all your weapons options and then you had you could equip all weapons, but certain classes could only use some weapons, etc et etc. Cetera, et cetera. and everyone just picked soldier because the guns were better anyway. What Mass Effect 2 did is it went, okay, if you're this class, you can only have these guns. If you're this class, you can only have these guns. It gave soldiers an actual ability. Um, it basically streamlined the up the leveling up, so it was simpler but it made the whole thing go faster. Um, It got away with all the tedium that the first Mass Effect game had. The first Mass Effect is a great game as a look-back, but it is tedious to play a lot of the times. It's a lot of nothing.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And um, yeah, in terms of a gameplay point of view, it made it a lot more fun um, in terms of, you know, you're going to be playing this for 50 hours. Uh, So we might as well make it a fun 50 hours for you. Instead of, I need to just do this section just so I can get to the next point in the story. And I don't really want to do this section, but I've got to. So Um, it was good. And uh, I think one of the things that does stand out from Mass Effect 2 is the ending mission. Because it's such a crescendo of choices and, you know... It's such fan service um, at the end of the game because it is literally—you go into the Omega Four relay, and as soon as you go through it, it's like, okay, let's see what choices you've made from the rest of the game. Have you done the right things to just to, to make sure everybody survives? And it's heartbreaking if you've made the wrong choice and somebody dies during that mission.
1: It is, I'm, but saying that it does have to be said. If you've played it once, you will never make the wrong choices. I mean. It's very hard to make the wrong choices to kill everyone, for the most part.
0: That's, that's a very good point. So the the first time that you uh, that you play it, it's a bit kind of what do I do? I'm not quite sure what to do. If you're playing through it a second or a third time, you're gonna know what to do. You're gonna know how to upgrade the Normandy effectively. You're gonna know how to what what um, teammates are best suited to doing uh, certain tasks, and you're gonna know what your final team should be because. Uh, I remember, uh, I think it was in my third playthrough of Mass Effect 3, I forgot that Tali needs to be in your team um, at the end. Because uh, if she's not, she dies. That was heartbreaking. Yep.
1: Don't want to go down that road.
0: Uh, yeah, so, um, but yeah, in, in, in terms of an ending, a wonderful, wonderful ending to the second one in the series. And I even thinking about that end shot where Shepard gets the, uh, the data pad, and then he looks up towards space, and then you see all of the Reapers awaken, uh, and then it suddenly cuts to black, and then the, the credits start coming up. It's a great ending to a second game.
1: Yeah. I mean, saying that, it had its downsides. It could be a little gauntlety at times, especially in the final mission. And on harder difficulties, it was just bullet sponges for the most part.
0: Yeah, so the further that you progressed through the game, there weren't a lot of massive variations of enemies, so a lot of the enemies that you played against were just kind of like, oh, it's this one, but more health.
1: Yeah, and the big bosses were always just health and stupid amount of attacks. A blooming mouth, head thing that just shot lasers at you. On Insanity, that thing was just a pain.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, uh, Mass Effect 2 got uh, quite a bit of DLC, actually. Um, on, a, on a kind of DLC standpoint, I don't actually mind it when games do this. So, uh, they released, by way, a lot of story DLC. So, there was the Zaid Massani um, DLC. There was Kasumi Goto DLC, which gave you new squad members uh, and also new missions to complete, which were interesting missions. Uh, you have uh, the Firewalker, uh dlc uh which was added a a good 15 hours of gameplay uh you have uh i believe uh project overlord best uh, dlc DLC, yeah uh which again adds a good you know 10 to 15 hours of gameplay and then you've got the end game dlc which was layer of the shadow broker which allows you to go and fight with liara again which uh, as a massive liara fan i loved every single minute of that gameplay um and uh, a rival, uh, which led really nicely into Mass Effect Three, and explained why Shepard was starting on Earth in Mass Effect Three. Um, so I've seen I've seen two opinions from the way that Bioware handled their DLC for, for Mass Effect Two. The first uh, opinion, which is the opinion that I've got, is great. It is adding more to the story. You don't need to buy it if you don't want to. You could still enjoy the base game. But if you want more story, then pay fifteen pounds and have like more kind of story for for the game which i think is how dlc should do um should be done the way that dlc is done these days is with a lot of microtransactions and loot boxes and doesn't really add any value to the game Uh, but story dlc well on board for the other half of that opinion is well i bought the base game of mass effect 2 and then when mass effect 3 started none of it made sense because i didn't buy I didn't buy Arrival or Layer of the Shadow Broker, so there were so many potholes that I didn't really understand what was going on, Uh, which, again, I think is a fair point.
1: Yeah, I don't know. DLC is something I don't hugely agree with anyway, so it's a little tricky on that. But on the other side, judging by the kind of gaps in time between games, it's nice to kind of get a DLC and be reminded of it. So I'm on the fence. If the DLC is good, I mean, for instance, Project Overlord was one of the best DLCs in my mind. It, was, it had its own. The theme from it was amazing, just some musical score. But then you have something like Project Firewalker, which I thought was kind of meh. It was boring. It was just driving a tank around again. Um, so I don't know. I dislike anything that is necessary to the plot.
0: So, I think think this is where Bioware got a lot of flack, because, especially Layer of the Shadow Broker and Arrival, were integral to know what was going on in Mass Effect 3. Uh, And, yeah, I I, I can understand people's annoyance with that. From my personal standpoint, I think the way that they they did DLC was nice, because I wanted me some more Mass Effect. I've just completed Mass Effect 2. I was going to have to wait, like, two or three years for Mass Effect 3. Uh, So it was nice to kind of tide me over in that period with a bit more um, stuff. Yeah,
1: that's perfectly fair. It's just anything that gets related to later that's an important relation that I kind of dislike. Because it always feels like they're basically going, if you really want to know what's going on, you have to spend more money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we move swiftly on from Mass Effect 2. This is where things take a bit of a turn. Um, if you're not familiar with how game companies and, and publishers and producers work, normally what happens is um, a, a core team will work on one game. And then once that game is finished, they'll then go and go off to other projects uh, and go and produce other games. Which means that by the time that Mass Effect 3 rolled around, it did mean that a lot of the core team who had worked on Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2 had left. So that gave problems to the production of Mass Effect 3. If you talk to any Bioware employee now, they won't mention that. Uh, they won't say that there was any problems whatsoever with the production of Mass Effect 3, but you can you can kind of tell it. Um, now, in my opinion, uh, and this is a very controversial opinion, I think Mass Effect 3, in terms of a game, not talking about the 15 minutes, uh, of, of, of ending that you get, as, as a 50-hour game, I think Mass Effect 3 is the best Mass Effect game.
1: That's a brave choice.
0: I think in terms of gameplay mechanics, how the combat works, and how it feels much more fluid and uh, exciting, I think in terms of some of the story aspects, um, I mean, you've got to realize that it, it, it's the end of a trilogy, it's the end of the story. So everything is getting messed up like, heavily throughout the game, uh, and I, I, I think in terms of uh, all of that, and in terms of just fan service to the characters that you've spent 100, 120 hours with, uh, I, in my opinion, Mass Effect 3 is the definitive Mass Effect experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got a lot more Tally moments, which made me happy. That was, that's what he was alluding to before, I romanced Tally the whole way through.
0: Oh, yes, we didn't do our, um, yeah, our, our, our run-through. So, uh, from, from Mass Effect, going back to Mass Effect 2, then, uh, from uh, Mass Effect 2, uh, your romance was Tali.
1: Yep, every time. She's adorable.
0: Uh, who was your worst squadmate? Ooh.
1: Do you mean the one I never used?
0: Yeah, the one that you were just like, I don't care about you, man.
1: That's a tough one for two, because I liked all of them in two. Um... Probably Kasumi Goto, because I just didn't use her very much.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, For me, it would be Jacob.
1: See, I liked Jacob's plot point to the degree where he was a good guy working in a bag or bad organisation. I didn't use Miranda much either. I found her quite irritating.
0: Yeah, Miranda was a bit kind of like, look at me, I'm perfect. But she she has a nice character arc throughout too, so she starts off as a bit of a bitch.
1: And she has some good abilities as well, which kind of help
0: yeah so it she, she she's got a she's got quite a nice arc throughout the story um i ended up using well, her quite a lot
1: um in terms of and then dies so
0: exactly yeah so in terms of, of 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 romance um the first time that i played through i didn't romance anyone uh which is a really interesting thing because what happens in this in the section of the game where you have your sex scene with whoever you've decided to romance uh what happens is Shepard goes up to his cabin and uh, picks up a picture of whoever you romanced in Mass Effect 1, uh, and it just kind of fades to black. So, in my mind, what happens is uh, my Shepard uh, picks up a picture of Liara and then just proceeds to have a wank over her. we so he recurring
1: cracks now Is that your, <laughs> uh, your shepherd 's final mission?
0: It's just a bit weird. Like he just, it gives he,
1: itself a happy ending. That's it, the fantastic way to nearly die.
0: It's just it's a, it's a weird one because he just picks up the, the picture, smiles at it, and then it just fades to black and it's like, well
1: <laughs> My Shepherd was like, nah.
0: Um but in subsequent playthroughs I did um I did romance Miranda, which was a really it was a really interesting uh, conversation with Liara in Lay of the Shadow Broker. Because when you basically say to her, I still, I want to be with you, nobody else. She's like, well, what about that Australian bitch?
1: I see. I just told Liara, yeah, we were good when we were together, but now,
0: yeah. (laughs) Very, very fair, very fair. So yes, uh, going back to um, Mass Effect 3. um, In terms of of story and game, I really like it. I like the um, different worlds that you travel to and you like seeing the different worlds trying to fight off the Reaper invasion. Um, we need to talk about the ending.
1: The ending was never going to be good. Frankly. No. There was too much hype, too much kind of stuff for it to ever reach anyone's expectations. Frankly, it, the ending meant nothing to me. Um, so long as the lead up to the ending was good, I didn't care.
0: I That's fair. Um, I think you're there's, so there's, This happens with a lot of TV series and a lot of long-running game franchises and, and, and stuff like that where it's really hard to give a satisfying ending that everybody's going to enjoy because you've got to uh, remember for TV series especially, uh, if something runs for 14 years, then... Everyone's going to have their own theories about what they think is going to happen. Everyone's going to have their own kind of speculations and conspiracies about what they want to happen. So there's no, there's no physical way to please everybody. Uh, and no. it, it's, it's, it's very much the same for games as well, I feel. Um, a, a, a franchise like Mass Effect, which is a trilogy, uh, was never going to please everybody with how it ended. That being said, uh, the indoctrination theory. Oh.
1: I've always thought the indoctrination theory was hearsay at best, bollocks at worst.
0: So, if you're unfamiliar with the indoctrination theory from Mass Effect 3, this is it's a, a great YouTube video. Type it into YouTube and uh, waste an hour of your life, um, but this is the theory that uh, from when Shepard wakes up um, after the run uh, to uh, the Citadel, he is essentially indoctrinated, and this is something that's been going on from the start of Mass Effect 1, when he meets Sovereign. Uh, and there's clues and stuff within the ending of, of Mass Effect 3 that kind of hint that maybe what's going on isn't actually reality, maybe it's all in Shepard's head. Um, I, I won't go into any more of it because it's a brilliant, brilliant uh video on YouTube, do go and check it out if you've got some spare time. Uh, I, as, as an ending, I think it's a really interesting ending. The problem is, is that what happens when he wakes up?
1: My issue with the indoctrination ending is it kind of gives the impression that everything you've been doing up to that point is completely pointless.
0: Yeah, so I, I, it, it would require a lot of work to make it work, I think. So it would require a lot of explanation.
1: Require a lot of going, sorry you wasted all your time. Have fun,
0: bye! Yeah. Bye. So um yeah. but uh you know nonetheless I think it, you know if you take the the ending away from mass effect I don't I don't even think it was a uh, a case of well we wanted Shepard to survive I think we all kind of went into it knowing Shepard's probably going to die and that's okay
1: He must been his mission the entire time and the second one he was probably going to die
0: Yeah um yeah I think everyone was you know aware that you know, fighting an ancient machine race that wipes out the galaxy every 50,000 years, chances are he's probably, this is probably going to be a step too far for him to survive it. Um, so I don't, I don't even think that that was the reason why people were annoyed. I think it was just to do with the fact that it felt like a lot of the choices that they made throughout the course of, of the trilogy didn't really matter anymore.
1: No, but in the other way, there was no way to show all their choices. I mean, people gave the impression they wanted every little choice they made. Did they rescue this bumpkin? Did they push that eclipse guard out the window during Thane's recruitment mission? Will he come back and say something?
0: Who cares? Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. And I think if you are looking for some kind of finality for a lot of the plot points from Mass Effect 1 and 2, you don't need that in a 15-minute ending. Look at the entire game. Throughout the entirety of Mass Effect 3, uh, all the plot points that have happened throughout the, the first game and the second game are all resolved from every single character. And all of your choices do matter, just not in the ending. Throughout yeah. the entire game is where they matter.
1: It all builds up over time. You see the response. I mean, hell, you get rescued by my man, Comrade Werner, the true Shepard fan, unless you punched him in the face.
0: You gotta love a bit of Werner.
1: Gotta love him. He so. gets lucky.
0: <laughs> so, um, let's run through our choices from Mass Effect 3 then. So, did you stop the Genophage or did it continue? Stop it. Rex is a bro. I think if you I, I think if you decided to continue the Genophage, you can only be described as a monster. Um, yeah, uh, so, yeah, stop the genophage. Uh, were the Asari saved, or were they turned into machines? Uh, in, if you remember, in one of the missions that you go to, I think it's a temple, uh, for the Asari, uh, there's a choice to, uh, save some of the Asari that are there, or there's a choice to blow the whole thing up and kill them all.
1: Probably save them, but that's stretching my memory a bit. I might have blown them up.
0: You might have, that's fair. Um, did... Ashley die, or did she survive?
1: Survived. Uh, in the last playthrough I did. In the
0: other one, Kaiden survived. Kaiden okay, survived, nice. Um, so, uh... What else? What uh, What other choices have we got? Oh, um, who's the... The shuttle driver? Cortez! Did Cortez die or survive? First time I
1: played it, he died! Because I didn't realise he had to build up his... ...kind of companionship to get him yeah. to survive. And before you ask, yes. The Geth and the Quarians both survived.
0: Very good, excellent. Uh, found, a, found a new home. Uh, did Morden uh, die of explosion, or did he die of gunshot wound?
1: Explosion.
0: Explosion, very good. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of about it, without going into more detail about Mass Spec 3, all the choices. Um, so, in, in this point in the story, um, bioware kind of take a bit of a step back from the mass effect franchise as you would if you've just released a trilogy um and you've kind of wrapped up everything nice and neatly uh they took a step back to focus on dragon age inquisition which was a great game um yeah. and uh yeah um got a lot of uh, fan service back for uh the for the uh, for the company and helped with their image again uh and then it was rumored um in 2015 that they were working on the next by Bio- on the next mass effect game which turned out to be Mass Effect Andromeda, which released in 2017, which saw the franchise go to a completely new galaxy. Well, hmm, completely
1: new is rather a stretch of terms, really.
0: So, there's lots to talk about with Andromeda, there's lots to talk about. Uh, the first thing, Josh, do you think Andromeda is a bad game?
1: I always sum Andromeda up as fun to play, boring to experience.
0: In, yes, I think I think that's that's entirely fair. Um, the combat in Andromeda is stunning; it's it absolutely is. stunning. It is the the funnest that combat has been in the entire Mass Effect franchise. Um, adding the jump jets and adding more kind of uh, movement to how you're playing. Uh, if you play on the higher uh, difficulties, the enemy AI is quite adept to uh, breaking your cover and flanking yeah. you, which means that you've got to constantly be moving. You can't just hunker down in front of uh, some, some cover on the battlefield. Um, some of the enemy variations are really interesting, although towards the end of the game, it gets a little bit boring. Um, yeah. And uh, the, uh, the addition of profiles, where you can switch what your focus is on, Uh, throughout the game is inspired it's brilliant yeah
1: that was the best bit for me i loved being able to swap out of classes
0: it was yeah so some of the boss battles in that game are just brilliant absolutely brilliant and yeah just really fun yeah
1: summer um it i disagree with the idea that there's a huge enemy variety though i found it quite samey but fun regardless i mean it's Animal, human, robot, animal, human, robot, animal, human, robot.
0: Yeah, I, I can I, Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, and then, you know, with what Mass Effect Andromeda didn't do well, um, it didn't quite paper over those cracks, uh, the combat, unfortunately. Yeah. So let's talk about what Mass Effect Andromeda got wrong.
1: <laughs> ah, well. So the biggest, well, not the biggest, but one of the largest things it got wrong is it managed to make a universe that was completely new but also completely boring so we got stuck on a select group of planets that were very mundane you know it was basically ice world fire world desert world Blair um, with one alien race essentially one new race for a whole new galaxy which might be scientifically and biologically accurate but was quite tedious to deal with there were and had such a generic bad guy like there was no battles between your rem your forces against the kind of new alien species that would have been interesting have a whole new species of alien their own council and their fight against your new kind of coming in council so you can be seen as the bad guy instead you just had the cat to a generic evil
0: yeah, I think it essentially boiled down to the, the Angara and the Ket are, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. Bad guys are bad, good guys are good. Um, and that was about it. There, there was a bit of grey like gray lines with um, in the Angara. They've got a, a mercenary faction called the Rokar, um, who are basically racists and hate all outsiders. Uh, but you can't really argue with them for that, because their first experience of a race that isn't in their cluster was the Ket who decided to basically exalt them and turn them into more ket um so i think you'd probably be a bit paranoid after that experience yeah Um, and even then
1: they were portrayed as rakishly kind of even kind of you know we don't like you but we're willing to change our minds if you convince us
0: yeah exactly so yeah you know in the end if you if you If you do everything properly um with uh, the angara then you you know you are able to change the rokars mind um and get them on 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 board uh which is a bit of a weird one um we've got to talk about the script um because it's it's a bit weird it feels like it's written by two people
1: yeah there's a weird disconnect between a lot of it Because you have all of the main thing is all kind of we're hopeful and it's all dark and sad and then all the kind of companion quests are weirdly comedic in their kind of situation. There's an odd use of comedy in it that doesn't really work because it's not funny.
0: But I so I agree with that. But then I also I think that some of the comedic moments are golden and like they were the moments where i was like okay i'm starting to fall in love with these characters now um yeah. the movie night i'll give you yeah movie night there's, there's there's a line as well in pb's uh loyalty mission where she's she's just ejected you um from from the tempest um into uh this this volcano planet and you're you're kind of lying there with your head on the thing and she says, are you mad? And and Ryder goes, mad is the least word for what I am right now. And there's it, it, it really nice moments like that, really nice back and forth moments between the crew. But some of the lines were just written by somebody completely different. Um, the most famous one is of course, the my face is tired line. Mm. It's just like, some of it is really well executed and written and then some of it is just horrible to listen to.
1: Yeah, there's a big, there's a weird kind of separation between what each side does that doesn't really fit. But, you know, unfortunately, that's what happens on a game that big. And they rushed it out, so they didn't have time to really check a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. Um And, yeah, what you ended up with was a game which, in my opinion, is fine. Um yep. It's not a bad game. Anybody who says that Mass Effect: Andromeda is a bad game is uh, getting a bit too emotional about the whole thing. Um, I think, I think, I think it's a fun game to play. I think the the story is a a, um, a good. Um, it's okay. Well
1: I will say, when it first came out, it was horrendously buggy, which might paint some people's opinions of it.
0: Yeah, I would say if. Your opinion of Mass Effect is that of Mass Effect Andromeda is that you couldn't play it at, at first. Go and play it again now. I, I've been playing through it over the past couple of weeks. Um, it's a lot better than it was. Uh, a lot of the facial animations have been fixed, a lot of the bugs of, not all of them, obviously, but bugs always exist in games, that's just a, just always going to um, happen. Uh, but um, a lot of the bugs to do with walking animations and to do with um, idle animations has been fixed, and it, it, it feels a lot more polished now than it did when it first released.
1: Yeah, you get a lot less relaxed Jesus pose, you know, where the legs are together and the hands are down because they're character models and they don't move. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, um, yeah, it, it feels a lot more polished. But on the back of um, Mass Effect Andromeda is where our question for today comes from because BioWare, after Andromeda, needed a win. Um, they really needed uh, a, a win with the next game that they were producing, which unfortunately was the absolutely terrible Anthem, uh, which came out last year in 2019. Um, it, 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 it was bad. It was really bad. I played 15 minutes of Anthem and I threw my my controller down in disgust because it was just so boring, so very, very boring, and I just didn't care. Um, J- Josh, what did you think about Anthem? I never played it,
1: frankly. Played it. No, I wasn't interested in it. Um, from what I saw, it was just another online game where you basically the division with jetpacks and I could really give two flying figs.
0: It it was really difficult, I thought, because um, especially if you don't have four other friends who are all playing at the same time, you're going to be playing with um, strangers. Uh, But it's an online game, so you kind of expect that. Um, The problem is is that with with the way that strangers play, uh, the, the, the storytelling is emergent storytelling, so um, as you're going through the mission, you're getting more information about why you're doing the things that you're doing. Because you're playing with strangers, um, a lot of the time, those people just leave, which means yeah. that you can't stay there and, and, and listen to the story and, and figure out what's going on. So I had no idea what I was doing throughout the entire thing. I didn't know what the story was, I didn't know what the, what the people were doing, I didn't know who the enemy was, I didn't understand anything that was going on. And it was frustrating.
1: You're being Fwoosh Iron Man, but with guns,
0: basically. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, in 2020, this is what leaves us in the predicament that we're in now, um, and asking the question, how do you solve a problem like Mass Effect? Now, we know, we know that Dragon Age 4 is releasing at some point in the next year. (laughs) We know that. Um, If it doesn't get pushed back, Dragon uh, um, Dragon Age 4 will be releasing in 2021, maybe 2022. Uh, so that is going to be the next focus for BioWare, which is it's an exciting focus. Uh, do love the Dragon Age franchise. Now, after that, what do they do? Um, there have been rumors that have come out in the past two or three weeks that what BioWare is actually working on at the moment is a Mass Effect trilogy remastered for either the Xbox One or the Xbox Series X, uh, which I think is a fantastic idea. I think, yeah, uh, to get fans on point with them again and to kind of get that kind of fan love back again releasing a remaster of the first three games so you can play them on the new consoles now is a good idea
1: yeah although to be fair you can currently play them on the xbox one i mean they're all backwards compatible that's what i did
0: so only the first one is backwards compatible no they all are now oh they all are now that's very interesting uh, so, uh, in, o- so um, in order for a Mass Effect Remastered to be worth it, uh, it would have to be rendered for 4K, you would imagine, and add something yeah. that those backwards compatible versions don't have.
1: That would, yeah. Um, it'll have to do something to make it completely new. They could get rid of the multiplayer in Mass Effect 3, that'd be nice. Or, or expand or maybe- on it, to be yeah. fair. Or,
0: or, Or possibly have some mod support.
1: Yeah. Um, so anything they can do to really do that. The, if they include all DLC as well, that's fair enough, because no one's going to buy the DLC for the original Mass Effect, frankly. And
0: then with Bioware being a subsidiary of EA, you think that the chances of that happening are probably low.
1: True. Well, the problem is that counters out the reason to buy it. If you've got the original 3, even on an Xbox 360 account, you can re-download all the DLC. You don't have to buy it again.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, in my mind, there are three paths that Bioware can take uh, because there will be an, a, a new Mass Effect with everybody saying that the franchise is dead and stuff like that. It's not. There, there will be another Mass Effect at some point uh, because it is an insanely popular franchise. But uh, in uh, how to handle uh, the next Mass Effect, in my uh, eyes there are three avenues that uh, Bioware can go to uh, through. The first avenue is Mass Effect Andromeda 2. Um, there's enough plot holes and um, kind of dangling plot lines and plot threads to make a, an Andromeda 2 worth it. Um, we still don't know about the status of the quarry and arc. Uh, we just get a small little thing at the end of the uh, game that says they've told us to stay away. We don't know who the benefactor of the initiative is we don't really know where the ket come from. We just know that there's more of them, uh, and there's a council of ket somewhere, uh, and there's still questions about um, the Jardan or the remnant um, that uh, are left unsaid. Uh, so, you know, if if they if they wanted to continue with that trilogy and continue with that new direction, Mass Effect Andromeda two uh, would be one avenue that, that 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 they could go down. What do you think?
1: I don't see it as being likely, frankly. Um, main, there are a few reasons. One, the amount of bad will it has now make doing a sequel very based towards people who are interested, which is a small number. So if you're going after the plot holes, the game released a while ago now, most people have stopped caring. They're not replaying it to relearn the potholes or plot holes. Uh, in regard to the quarry arc thing, I mean, after they did it in a book, it's kind of redundant. So we know what happened with them now. And going after a rogue you know, the robot remnant menace is kind of... That's just Mass Effect's original trilogy, different robots, same place. Um, so I don't see it going down that route.
0: That's, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's fair. Um, the second route that they could go down, which would be the insanely popular route, is um, Mass Effect 4, uh, just Mass Effect 4, uh, continuing on from the original trilogy with Commander Shepard. Uh, they'd have to find a way of doing that, but it would be insanely po- um, popular to be back in the Milky Way fighting as Shepard. Um, evidence suggests from games in the past that when a game has had a trilogy and then a, a, a title that's not, that's not a trilogy, for example, Gears of War Judgment, uh, and that game has been insanely unpopular uh, and has done uh, bad. Uh, evidence suggests going back to a numbered format um, increases sales for those games. Uh, and I'm sure EA will be very aware of that. Um, so going back to Mass Effect 4 would help garner more sales for the franchise and would be people would be more intrigued um, by a, a, a Mass Effect 4. Um, what do you think about the chances of a Mass Effect 4?
1: mass effect 4 i can see it happening but more in a regard where they completely separate themselves from the shepherd story which is what andromeda did um there's a bit to go off there with the rebuilding of everything because but on the other side you might have to set it thousands of years later as well because with the mass relays all gone and everything's destroyed and most of the civilization is dead what do you do? Yeah. You can't travel around as easily. It's a bit of a nightmare.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a... yeah. It's a difficult one. Definitely a difficult one. Um, and then the third option is to just completely start again, as they did or they tried with uh, Andromeda, and just go in a completely different direction. They either explore the first contact war with the Turians, uh, or go into a completely different galaxy um, with a completely different cast and characters and just try and just start again, basically.
1: I think after the last foray into that, I don't see that happening either.
0: So I think what we're, what what the basic consensus for us is, in my personal opinion, I think Mass Effect 4 is the most likely option to happen. Um, I, I, I don't know what that would look like, but I think continuing on from the Mass Effect trilogy in the Milky Way is the more likely option for the franchise however i would be sad if they didn't at least try and do mass effect andromeda 2.
1: fair i i'm unsure my my gut says it'll go down a route like anthem and become a kind of online game
0: yeah so there is there is talk at the moment that the the next dragon age dragon age 4 is going to be an online title which is you know sad very sad uh because bioware is a bastion of single player rpg content um, it is it's it's sad to see a studio kind of dissolving into uh, another ea cash cow
1: well that's just how ea works they buy out companies and then do what they do to them um in another way though doing it as an online game might mean that uh BioWare character finally learns to delegate something rather than doing it all themselves.
0: I mean, we did talk about this though, didn't we? Because we did say that with with the Mass Effect universe, there's there's definite speculation to do something different. So, if you're yeah. you know if, if you're releasing your your core Mass Effect experience games on a, on, a, on a basis of like 3 to 5 years, every 3 to 5 years there's there's another core Mass Effect game, which plays exactly the same as, 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 as the other games do, and it's focused on story and, and, and characters and stuff like that. There's, there's there's definitely speculation to do like spin-offs of that, so uh, maybe a turn-based strategy game, uh, which has a different uh, thing. Maybe doing an MMORPG, like a Mass Effect Universe game, where you can play an MMO uh, 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 version of the Mass Effect Universe and be different races and stuff like that. Um, there's there's lots of there's lots of options in that universe to do something yeah. different.
1: Let's Star Wars Galaxies up a uh, Mass Effect thing. Let me be a shopkeeper. I want to be a Turian shopkeeper selling video games in the Mass Effect Citadel.
0: I think it would be absolutely hilarious if they did. They went down the simulator route for Mass Effect.
1: Yeah, life simulator. Let's do it. It'd be yeah, awesome. They-
0: if it was like Mass Effect Citadel Simulator, where you're just a normal person on the Citadel, and you've got to wake up and go to work, and then you've got to like...
1: Oh. <laughs> you join CSEC, and then you go, oh look, there's Shepard. Oh, everything's on fire.
0: Yeah, you know, like, oh, I've got to sweep up this broken glass because the Reapers have attacked again. damn. But yeah, no, I think, so yeah, in conclusion, I think, um, how do you solve a problem like Mass Effect? You don't, really um but uh to to move forward uh we think mass effect 4 is probably the best option for that
1: i think so looking at the sales of stuff like gears of war 4 in terms of gears of war judgment although gears of war 4 wasn't as highly received as gears of war 5 so i don't know
0: yeah it's, but, it's a difficult one
1: yeah i think they need to or they just go completely side kind of where Star Wars is going and just have singular stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, the future of the Mass Effect franchise is an interesting future. Right then, Josh, so to, uh, finish us off today, uh, you're gonna be our first contestant on High Score. So at the end of every single um, episode of Extra Life, we do a little bit of a challenge with our guests where we ask them some questions about what they've been talking about uh, this week and we see uh, where they rank on our leaderboard. Now, seeing as this is the first episode, there isn't a leaderboard, really. Uh, It's just you, but we'll see how people rank up to you. You're you're setting the benchmark here,
1: which is exciting. That's a nice way to put that I've been ambushed with a quiz of something I haven't played in a while. So this will be fun.
0: Exactly, so you're gonna get 10 questions uh, all based on the Mass Effect universe. Um, And you're gonna answer those uh, with uh, what you think is the correct answer. There are bonus points on offer in some of the questions. So let's see how you do. And then uh, at the end of 10, we'll uh, add up the scores and see where our first contestant of a high score ranks. So your first question for today. Uh, What was the name of the mass relay that the humans found near Pluto?
1: No idea. Uh, Pluto relay?
0: Unfortunately, that's incorrect. Uh, The answer was the Charon or Charon relay. Uh, So, uh, don't worry though. Uh, We're just warming up. So, uh, question two What is the name of the Turian homeworld?
1: Oh, Palavin.
0: Palavan is correct. Yes, that is. Uh, you don't actually go to Palavin on Mass Effect 3, but you can see it in the distance while you are fighting on one of its moons. Palavan is absolutely correct. So, uh, question three What is the floating space prison in Mass Effect 2 known as?
1: Oh. Uh. Uh, I want to say the end, or something, there's something equally gothic and ridiculous. <laughs> uh,
0: pretty close. Uh, the answer was purgatory.
1: There you go. Dante would be proud.
0: Dante would definitely be proud. So, uh, the fourth question—we're going to start getting a little bit harder now. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, what is the name of the human who led the first human mission through the Charon relay?
1: no
0: idea. Tim. Sure? Tim. I'm going I'm to go with Tim. Tim is incorrect. Um, the answer is John Grissom. Oh, well, John. What, from Grissom Academy? Indeed, yes. He uh, After he led the first successful human mission to uh, interstellar space, he set up the Grissom Academy. Clearly a burke. Uh, what is, so this is question five. Uh, what is the race, the remnant's real name?
1: You mean the remnant from Andromeda? Indeed.
0: Uh, five Alive, Johnny Five? Uh, five Alive, Johnny Five is, cur- no, incorrect. Um, it is the Jardam. Jardam is the name of the remnant.
1: Um, yeah, that's just what I yell when my friend drops his jars. It's just, Jardam!
0: Uh, question six if you achieve 100% viability on all planets in Mass Effect Andromeda what is Habitat 7 renamed get a life that's that's what you're going with yeah I honestly don't know (laughs) Uh, Habitat 7 is the first planet that you encounter in Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, It is broken, uh, as you'll remember. And if you achieve 100% um, uh, viability on all of the planets, it is renamed Rider 1.
1: That is so ostentatiously stupid.
0: It is, a little bit, yeah. Um, Right, okay, are you ready? No, clearly. This is is the big question. Um, Name every member of Shepard's crew in Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3.
1: Okay, uh... Rex, Ashley, Kaiden, Garrus, Liara... Jacob, Miranda... Uh, Thane, Jack... Zaid, Kasumi, Javik... I wish I was writing these down. Uh you count Kelly Chambers?
0: Uh, Not counting Kelly Chambers, no. So
1: you're only counting people who are on missions?
0: Uh, There are bonus points available in this question. See if you can get
1: them. Evie, Joker... Oh, what's the name of the doctor? I can't remember her name. Engineer Adams, Gabby, Kenneth. Tally... Reps. Grunts.
0: Yeah, you said those. You, you are missing one. I will tell you. Cortez. James. There you go. Is that all of them? Uh, you are missing one still. Forgot about James. Forgot about James. What am I missing?
1: Is it someone horribly obvious?
0: Uh, kind of, yeah. Samara, there you go. That is every I... single member of Shepard's crew. No, Morinth. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, I did have I would have accepted Samara or Morinth wow. uh, in that mission in Mass Effect 2. Uh, you can choose to kill Samara. Oh, and Legion and the Legion as well. Yes, that's uh, very true. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's uh, give you a point for that. Definitely, and I think we'll give you an extra point uh, because you got all the bonus ones for a bonus uh, point. You needed to get Zaid masani Kasumi Goto, Javik and Joker because they are uh, not playable in the base games Uh, Kasumi, Zaid and Javik you can get as part of DLC and Joker of course. Of course Seth Green's Joker um, is playable uh, in certain sections of Mass Effect 2 and I believe Mass Effect 3 Uh, No, no sections of Mass
1: Effect 3 only 2 I realise I have no right to correct you, as I failed that quiz horrendously.
0: So, uh, question 8. We're not done yet. Question 8. Um, what year does Mass, Effect two, uh, does Mass Effect 1 take place in? It's not 2137. For some reason, that's in my head. Is that your final answer?
1: Yes, because I can't remember any of it.
0: That is unfortunately incorrect. Uh, the year is 2183. Well. Uh, question 9. What year What year do the arcs in Mass Effect Andromeda leave the Milky Way? Damn it. Uh, I want to say something
1: like
0: 2193. Oh, very close. Uh, it was 2185. Yeah. So just before... So two years after the first Mass Effect. So just while Shepard was being resurrected... Um, in Mass Effect 2, that is when the arcs leave the Milky Way. Uh, and the final question for you today what is the name of the central hub world in Mass Effect Andromeda, which terraforms the rest of the cluster?
1: No use. Don't think how ostentatious they all seem to be, right at home.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, not. Uh, the answer was Meridian. Oh, Meridian. Meridian. Sounds like an ugly colour you paint your bathroom. <laughs> Meridian is the system. name. Uh, uh, Meridian is the name of the planet that you go to at the end, uh, which is the central hub for all of the vaults.
1: Meridian sounds like something you'd take to Antiques Roadshow for them to go. Well, this is clearly of a Meridian make, as you can see by the detailed
0: styling. Uh, Josh, how do you feel you did? Poorly. uh, Paul, uh, we don't know yet. We don't know. Well, no, of course not. At the end of six episodes, we'll see where you rank. But you uh, managed to get there. You managed to get four questions correct. So you leave with a total score of four.
1: I can live with that, I suppose. I was never going to remember all that stuff.
0: So, uh, yeah, yeah. Josh, thank you very much for joining me on the first episode of Extra Life. It's been wonderful to talk all things Mass Effect with you.
1: And it's been wonderful to be talked to.
0: Absolutely, so uh, if people want to follow you on social media or anything like that, where can they reach you?
1: Uh, I am under Josh Render, pretty simple, R-E-N-D-E-R.
0: And what's your Twitter handle?
1: That would be my Twitter handle.
0: Just, just, rent. you are okay. That's fine. Um, fine. Uh, yeah, thank you very and much. Number
1: five. I'm gonna take care of the other four. You'll see.
0: And so, there you have it: Mass Effect and BioWare. Myself and Josh are very excited to see what happens next for this storied franchise. As ever, thank you to my guest this week, Josh for his incredible insight into the Mass Effect universe and thank you to the music creators who have allowed me to use their work free of charge links to their work can be found within the description below if you have enjoyed this episode of Extra Life make sure to check out any past or future episodes that are going on the podcast website and join me next week as I'll be joined by Sam Carrot and we'll be discussing misrepresentation of gender and gender identity within video games it should be a very interesting discussion until then my name has been Ben Smith thank you for checking out out Extra life, and I will see you sooner rather than later. Take care.